0: Al Bashir Your source of Islamic literature presents Al Akhira the afterlife part 2 narrated by Imam Anwar Al Awlaqi
1: Alhamdulillah ala sayyidina Muhammad We'll move on to the next section which is the names of the day of judgment There are many names of the day of judgment I'll go over some of them and the Day of Judgment was given many names because it is important in the Arabic language and in any language on the face of the earth. If something is important, you find that there are many names given to it. So, for example, the Arabs had many names for the horse. So you have different species of horses given different names, different colors of horses given different names, and just the horse itself had different ways of naming it. That is because it was an important thing to the Arabs. Just like you would find now in English, you have so many names given to alcohol. I mean, for a Muslim, it's confusing. A Muslim knows that this is alcohol and it's haram. But for the people who drink, you have vodka, you have wine, you have whiskey, you have beer, you have and rum and whatever. It's. You could go on and on and on. Hundreds of names. Why? Because it's important for the non-Muslims. That's why it's given many names. And in pre-Islamic Arabia, Khamr had 80 names. Alcohol had 80 names because it was something important to them too. Because the Day of Judgment is an important concept to us as Muslims, it was given many names. And these names are descriptions of what happened on the Day of Judgment. The most common name is Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Al-Qiyamah comes from Qiyam, which is standing up. So the Day of Judgment is called the Standing Day, because that is the day that is the day when mankind will stand up to meet Allah. You're not sitting down, you're not laying down, you're standing up for 50,000 years. The standing day,
2: yawmul qiyamah.
1: Allah, there is no deity except him. He will surely assemble you for the day of standing about which there is no doubt. So that's one name. The second most commonly used name is al-Yom al-Akhir الاخر or al-Akhirah. al al-Akhir means the last day. There's no day after that. That's the last day in this world. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "ليس
2: البر أن تولوا قبل المشرق والمغرب. وَلَكِنَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ
1: Righteousness is not that you turn your faces towards the east or the west, but true righteousness is one who believes in Allah, the last day, the angels, the book, and the prophets. So it's اليوم. Al-akhir. Or al-akhirah, which means the end. So you have a dunya versus al-akhirah. This world versus the next, the end. The next name is al-sa'ah. The moment. So it is the moment. It's the most important moment. Now as saah in Arabic, according to al-qurtubi, he says, zamani غَيْرْ مَحْدُودٍ he says that a sa'a in Arabic, if it's unqualified, it means an unspecified amount of time. It could be any time. But it could be specifically used to mean the hour, which is one part of 24 parts of the day. So it could be translated as the hour, or it could mean The moment, an unspecified amount of time وحقيقة الإطلاق فيها أن الساعة بالألف واللام عبارة في الحقيقة عن الوقت الذي أنت فيه وهو المسمى الآن وسميت به القيامة إما لقربها فإن كل آت قريب وإما أن تكون سميت بها تنبيها على ما فيها من الكائنات العظام التي تصحر الجلود وقيل إنما سميت بالساعة لأنها تأتي بغتة في ساعة and then he says that sa'a with alif which is the hour or the moment, would mean this moment. So he says that the hour was called, was given this name because it is so close, it is almost this moment. That's one interpretation. The second interpretation, it is called the moment because it's the most important moment since that is when the most important events would occur. Al-Kainat al-Azam, the major events. Or it could mean, لانها تأتي بغتة في ساعة because it suddenly comes in a moment. So it's called the moment. So these are three different interpretations given by Al-Qurtubi. This is also a name commonly used in Qur'an and
3: Hadith. يا O oh, mankind, Fear your Lord,
1: indeed, the convulsion of the final hour is a terrible thing. So it's translated here as the final hour. We gave it the translation of the moment or the hour. The next name, so now we have one, two, three. The fourth is Yawm al-Ba'ath, the day of resurrection. And it's given that name because that is when we will be given a new life. And our bodies are going to be created again. So it's a second creation for us. O oh, people, if you should be in doubt about the resurrection, then consider that indeed we created you from dust. If you think that we will not create you again, how did we create you the first time? Number five, الخروج, The Day of Emergence. And it's called the Day of Emergence because that is when you will emerge from your graves.
2: The
1: day they will hear the blast of the horn is the truth. That is the Day of Emergence. When they will hear the blast of the horn, that's the Day of Emergence. Six. Al-Qari'ah. Al-Qari'ah, we can translate it as the calamity. Taqra'u al-Quloob.
3: it is something that hits the hearts. So it's a calamity. Al-Qari'ah, mal qariah wa mal qariah The striking calamity. What is the
1: striking calamity? And what will make you know what is the striking calamity? Seven, Yawmul fasl, The Day of Judgment. Al-fasl means when all disputes will be solved, when every difference of opinion will be solved. That is when Allah Azza wa Jal will judge among humanity in everything that they did or said. This is the day of judgment. We will have assembled you and the former peoples. We will have assembled you all with all of the former peoples to judge among you. yawm al Eight, Yaumul Hasra, the day of regret. There's a lot of regret that happens on the Day of Judgment. Al Kafar regret because they were not Muslim. And the Muslims regret that they didn't do better. So it's a day filled with regret.
2: Wa عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا
1: When the wrongdoer will bite, not his fingers, Yadehi will bite both his hands. So imagine how a person would stuff both hands in their mouth and would chew on their fingers because of the pain of regret in their hearts.
3: وَأَنذِرُهُمْ يَوْمَ الْحَسْرَةِ إِذْ قُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ وَهُمْ فِي غَفْلَةٍ وَهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ
1: And warn them, O Muhammad, of the day of regret, when the matter will be concluded, and yet they are in a state of heedlessness and they do not believe. 9. يَوْمُ الْحِسَابِ The day of account.
2: وَقَالَ مُوسَىٰ إِنِّي عُدْتُ بِرَبِّي وَرَبِّكُمْ
1: But Moses said, Indeed I have sought refuge in my Lord and your Lord from every arrogant one who does not believe in the day of account. That is the day of account, حِسَاب, very accurate account, everything will be brought forth. مثقال ذرة من خردل Even a single grain يَا بُنَيَّ إِنَّهَا يَنْتَكُمْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ من خردل فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَا فِي الْأَرْضِ يَأْتِي بِهَا اللَّهِ So Allah Azza wa Jal will bring forth everything that you did everything that you said يَوْمَ إِذْنْ لَا تَخْفَى مِنْكُمْ خَافِيَةٍ Nothing will be hidden Ten الواقعة The event The occurrence That is the most important event الواقعة Next name, 11. Al-Haqqah. The inevitable truth or reality. If you think that this is real, that is Al-Haqqah. The inevitable truth. -uh. Al-Haqqah.
3: Mal-Haqqah
1: next يوم the day of meeting or the meeting day
2: رفيع الدرجات ذو العرش القربوحة من أمره على من من عباده يوم
1: he is the exalted above all degrees, owner of the throne. He places the inspiration of his command upon whom he wills of his servants to warn of the day of meeting. Why is it called the day of meeting? Ibn Kathir says, Ibn, fihi Adam waakhir Ibn Kathir is mentioning the early opinions. He says, Ibn Abbas said, it is called the day of meeting because that is when Adam will meet with his last child. All of the children of Adam will meet on that day. While Qatada and Suddi, they say, "Yalteqi feehi ahlul arḍi wa al-sama, wal Khaliq wal and Qatada say that is when the creation of the earth will meet with the creation of the heavens, and the Creator will meet with the creation. And Maimun ibn Mahran says, "Yalteqi feehi al-Dalim wa al ibn Mahran says that is when the oppressor will meet with the oppressed. Finally, Yawmut Tanad, the Day of Calling.
2: And
1: oh my people, indeed I fear for you the Day of Calling. And it's given that name because there's so much calling going on. First of all, every one of you will be called forth. Plus, the oppressed will be calling the oppressors. And the worshippers will be calling the ones they worshipped. We talked about the meaning of some of the uh, names of the Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Yawm Al-Qiyamah is a day. And the most frequently used name for it is Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Al-Qiyamah, we said one of the meanings of Al-Qiyamah is a day of standing. People will be standing on that day. There's no sitting, there's no laying down, there's no rest. On the Day of Judgment, it's standing. And the Day of Judgment, there are a lot of events that happen throughout this day. There are many things that go on. It's a 50,000 year long day. One of the most important events that happen on the Day of Judgment is Al-Hisab, the reckoning. Because the Day of Judgment is stages. You have in the beginning the changing of the uh, universe. That's part of the Day of Judgment. That's how it begins. And then you have the uh, assembly. Al-Hashr, when people come together, that's one stage. And then you have the Shafa, that's another stage. And then you have Al-Hisab, and this is the most important or prominent part of the Day of Judgment or stage of the Day of Judgment. This is, it is the reckoning. And that is what the Day of Judgment is for. It is to examine the accounts of people and then at the end to send the people either to Jannah or to Hellfire. Yawm al-Hisab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَعُرِضُوا we'll عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ صَفَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And they will be marshalled before Thy Lord in ranks. So people will be standing in ranks in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, waiting for the reckoning. On the Day of the Judgment, there are some rules, or fundamentals, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have on this day. The first rule is, Al-Adl. Justice The day of judgment is the day of justice And one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is al-adl, the just And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not wrong anyone And will not take what belongs to anyone Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will give everyone what they deserve And what should be given to them So it's a day of Adl, justice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Says <laughs>
2: Allah
1: subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And fear the day when you shall be brought back to God, to Allah, then shall every soul be paid what it earned, and none shall be dealt with unjustly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not deal with you unjustly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you what you earned. And... This scale of justice is very delicate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you what belongs to you even if it is equivalent to one grain, one atom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not wrong you even an equivalent of an atom. One single grain, the smallest particle that exists in the universe if it belongs to you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give it to you and luqman al-hakim when he was giving advice to his son he told the son ya bunayya
2: inna in takumithqal habatin min khardatin fatakun fi sakhratin aw fis samawati aw fil ard Habbatiminhardaliya
1: al Hakim told his son, O my son, if there be but the weight of a mustard seed and it were hidden in a rock or anywhere in the heavens or on earth, Allah will bring it forth. For Allah understands the finest mysteries and Allah is well acquainted with them. If there is a grain hidden in the inside of a rock or hidden in the universe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it forth on the Day of Judgment if it belongs to you. Wherever it is, nothing will be lost.
3: Everything that belongs to you will be given to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says if you do one
1: single atom an equivalent of one single atom or grain of good you will find it and if you did one single grain of evil you will also find it and we have to carry this awareness with us always. Luqman al-Hakim. Right after he gave his son the advice. The first advice he gave to his son was what? لا تشرك بالله. Don't associate any gods with Allah. That's the first advice he gave his son. And then the second advice was, وَوَصَيْنَ well, The kindness towards the parents. Immediately after that, before salah, Luqman al-Hakim told his son this advice that we just read. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring whatever belongs to you. Whatever belongs to you will be brought to you. Because he wants to develop in his son the muraqabah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is overwatching you. And it's very important that we instill this in our hearts and in the hearts of our children very early on, that Allah is watching you. Wherever you go, Allah is watching you. We sometimes as parents, we try to... Overwatch our children ourselves to make sure that they're on the right track. We're always noticing what they're doing, where they're going, who their friends are. But this can only go so far because no matter how much, how hard you try to overwatch your children, there are some things you're not going to know. As a human being, you have a limit of sight, a limit of hearing, a limit of knowledge. The strongest protection for them is for them to believe that Allah is watching them wherever they are. Because if they believe in that, then even if you're not around, they're going to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trying to protect our children by having them fear us is not very powerful. Because they're going to fear us at home. But when they're on their own, then there's why would they fear you? You're out of sight. Out of mind, out of sight. But if we are able to develop in them the awareness that Allah is watching you, It's not us, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the one who's going to hold you accountable, not me. Then this is more powerful because they would realize that Allah is with them wherever they are. And that's why Luqman al-Hakim also told his son, and this is not in Quran, but this was narrated as a saying of Luqman al-Hakim. He told his son, oh my son, if you want to sin, go ahead and do it. He told, He gave his son the green light to go and commit sins. He said, oh my son, if you want to commit sins, go ahead and do it. But do it where Allah cannot see you. Therefore, muraqabatullahi azza azzawajal to develop the, the awareness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is overwatching every action that we do, is a powerful tool for everyone, for every Muslim, man, and that is ihsan. Ihsan is that you worship Allah as if you see Allah, and if you don't see Him, then Allah sees you. That is al-hsan. So the first rule, again, is justice, al-adl. Number two. Individual accountability The second rule Of the day of judgment the, the Or al hisab the reckoning Is individual accountability You are responsible for what you did You are not responsible for What somebody else did You are responsible On your own actions And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question you on On the day of judgment You are not liable for what somebody else did And if you compare this to the Christian a belief in regards to accountability, in Christianity there is an original sin, which was committed by somebody else. They attributed to Adam salam. We are held responsible, according to Christianity, we are held responsible for what Adam did tens of thousands of years ago. And that's the original sin. The sin was not committed by us, it was committed by Adam, and we are held accountable for what Adam did. And then let's look at who will carry the burden of that sin. It is us who are responsible for it. But who paid the price for that sin? It's not us. It's who? It's the innocent, the Son of God, as they say. The sin was not committed by you. And the one who will pay the price is the innocent. Take this to any court and see if it will go through. You did not commit the sin. And then somebody else, innocent, has to pay the price. It is contrary to simple common sense. In Islam, you are held responsible for what you did. Why should the Son of God, the innocent, have to pay for what human beings have done? That is contrary to the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is al-adl, the just. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not hold you accountable for what anyone did. But Allah will hold you accountable for your own actions. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says,
3: مَنْ اِهْتَدَى فَإِنَّمَا يَهْتَدِي لِنَفْسِهِ وَمَنْ ضَلَّ فَإِنَّمَا يَضِلُ عَلَيْهَا وَلَا تَزِرْ وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَىٰ Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, who receives guidance, receives it for
1: his own benefit. If you follow the guidance, you're the one who is benefiting. You are not doing Islam a favor by becoming a Muslim. You are benefiting yourself. You are not doing the masjid a favor by praying in it. You are doing yourself a benefit. You are not doing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a favor by being obedient to Him. You are the one who's benefiting from it. Who receives guidance receives it for His own benefit. Who goes astray does so to His own loss. If you go astray, then you are the one who is also losing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And no bearer of burdens can bear the burden of another. You have your own burden, you're going to be held responsible and accountable for it, and you're not going to carry the burden of someone else. And this is not something unique to the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa This was the message of every prophet before, including Jesus, Isa alayhi salam. That was his message. And this was the message of Musa and the message of Ibrahim and Nuh and Adam. You are held accountable for your own mistakes
3: and you are going to receive the reward of your righteous acts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <speaking in Hebrew> وَأَنَّ سَعْيَهُ سَوْفَ يُرَاهُ ثُمَّ يُجْزَاهُ الْجَزَاءَ الْأَوْفَى وَأَنَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ الْمُنْتَهَى Allah
1: subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Nay, is he not acquainted with what is in the books of Musa. This is in the books of Musa. And of Abraham who fulfilled his engagements. And this was also revealed to Ibrahim. Namely, That no bearer of burdens can bear the burden of another. That man can have nothing but what he strives for. That the fruit of his striving will soon come in sight. Then will he be rewarded with a reward complete. This is individual accountability. You're not going to bear the burden of someone else. You will receive only what you strive for. And you will receive the reward complete. This is individual accountability. Now, when you read some ayat in Qur'an, you might get a sense that there's a contradiction. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَيَحْمِلُنَّ <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they will bear their own burdens and other burdens along with their own. Allah says here, they will carry their burden and they will also carry other burdens in addition to theirs. How can we say there's individual accountability but here this ayah says that they're going to be carrying the sins of someone else. We can find a hint to answer this in the same ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They're going to be questioned on the day of judgment for the falsehood that they made up they made up falsehoods and other people followed their falsehoods. Therefore, they're going to carry the sins of everyone who followed their word. So it's true that you only carry your own sins. But you are also responsible for the sins which you have caused. If you caused others to commit sins, then you carry their burden. But that doesn't mean that then they are free of burden. They are also carrying their burdens too. So they carry their sins and you also carry the same punishment of that sin. So if you cause five sins then though the people will be held accountable for those five sins and you will also be held accountable for those five sins. Ar-Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says man sanna fi al-islam sunatan hasana falahu ajruha wa ajru man amila biha ba'dahu ila yawm al-qiyamah. Wa man sanna fi al-islam sunatan sayya fa alayhi wizruha wa wiz man amila biha ba'dahu ila yawm al-qiyamah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, if you start a good tradition, then you will receive the reward of it and the reward of everyone who does it until the day of judgment. And if you start an evil tradition, then you will carry that sin and the sin of everyone who does it until the day of judgment. Therefore, the scholars have said that if a person commits sins on his own privately, it is much worse if the person does it in public and calls the people to do it. If you commit a sin or an innovation, and then you invite others to it, the disaster of that is much greater than if you did it on your own privately and you didn't let anybody know about it. And that's why Rasulullah وسلم says, and this is also a tafsir of Rasulullah وسلم to the ayah in Qur'an, that the son of Adam who killed his brother Will receive a portion of the punishment of every act of murder that happens after that until the day of judgment, because he's the first one who committed murder. The two sons of Adam they had a dispute among themselves, so one of them killed the other. Qabil killed Habil. Now Qabil, because he's the first one to commit the crime of murder, he's gonna carry a portion of the sin of everyone who kills until the day of judgment, because he's the one who he's the founder of murder. The third rule is the presentation of deeds. On the Day of Judgment, your deeds will be presented to you in entirety. Everything that you did, you will see it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, The goal of you all is to Allah. Thus, our final destination. is We're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is He that will show you the truth of all that you do. Allah will show you the truth of every single thing that you did. And it will be presented to you in a form of
3: a book. It will be documented in a book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَنُخْرِجُ لَهُ يَوْمَ القيامة اِقْرَأْ كِتَابَكَ كَفَا بِنَفْسِكَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَيْكَ Allah subhanahu
1: wa ta'ala says On the day of judgment We shall bring out for him a scroll Which he will see spread open Everything that was done will be presented In this scroll, in this book This book is comprehensive Every single detail will be mentioned Nothing will be left out Maybe that's one of the reasons why the day of judgment is so long 50,000 years because you will be examined for every every detail of your life. If you lived for 60 years, every single detail of those 60 years, you will be questioned about it on the Day of Judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says,
2: وَيَقُولُونَ يَا وَيْلَتَنَا مَالِ هَذَا الْكِتَابِ لَا يُغَادِرُ صَغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا وَوَجَدُوا مَا عَمِلُوا حَاضِرًا وَلَا
1: يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and the book of deeds will be placed before you and you will see the sinful in great terror because of what is recorded therein, they will say, Ah, woe to us, what a book is this. It leaves out nothing small or great, but takes account thereof, they will find all that they did placed before them, and not one will your Lord treat with injustice. Small or great, كبيرة, everything small or great will be documented and mentioned in this book in front of your eyes. And that, therefore, the ones who committed a lot of sins, they're going to be in a very desperate situation on the day of judgment when they see this book, huge book, packed with sins. This book is leaving nothing, small or great. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to show you His mercy and forgiveness, He will not multiply the evil deeds. One evil deed, is equal to one evil deed. But the good deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies. One equals ten. And again, that is
3: the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَنْ جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشُرُ أَمْفَالِهَا وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجِزَى إِلَّا مِثْلَهَا وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ
1: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He that does good shall have ten times as much to his credit. He that does evil shall only be recompensed according to his evil. No wrong shall be done unto any of them. Allah will multiply the good deeds And will not multiply the evil deeds. Now, the ayah mentions 1 to 10. That's minimum. But there are some acts that are more. And we'll give examples of some uh, deeds that are multiplied. For example, Quran, reading Quran. You will receive for every letter in Quran 10 rewards. And Rasulullah وسلم says, Alif, Lam, Meem is not one letter. But Alif is a letter, Lam is a letter, Meem is a letter. So, literally every letter you will receive 10 rewards... For reading it. This hadith is narrated by Ibn Mas'ud in Sahih uh, Al-Tirmidhi. من قرأ حرفا من كتاب الله فله بها حسنة والحسنة بعشر أمثالها لا أقول ألف لا ميم حرف ألف خرف ولا من حرف وميم حرف Over here you have uh, 1 equals 10. And then there's another hadith narrated by tirmidhi and in nasai Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al as says, رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said خصلتان لا يحصيهما رجل مسلم إلا دخل الجنة. Two habits. If you persist on them, you will be rewarded with Jannah. يحصيهما means you don't miss them. You don't miss out on doing them. You consistently do this habit. وهما يسير And they are easy. Rasulullah ﷺ is telling us they are easy. ومن يعمل بهما قليل But the ones who do them are few. Even though it's easy, the ones who commit to them are few. يُصَبِّحُ اللَّهَ فِي دُبْرِ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ عشرة وَيَحْمَدْهُ عشرة Wayyu sabbih wa youu kabbirhu You say after every salah, subhanallah ten times, alhamdulillah ten times, and Allah Akbar ten times. By the way, there's another hadith that says thirty-three. Thirty-three and thirty-three. Over here this hadith says ten, ten, ten. Subhanallah ten times, Alhamdulillah ten times, Allah Akbar ten times. Fala Qadraitu Rasullah Yaqidu Habiya, I saw Rasulullah count them with his own hands. Ka'ala Fatilka Hamsuna Wami Abilisan. That comes to one hundred and fifty. On the tongue. How did Abdullah ibn Amr, Amr ibn Az get to the number 150? Five prayers. Times 30. He said subhanallah 10 times. Alhamdulillah 10 times. Allah Akbar 10 times. That's 30. multiplied by 5. That's 150. And then he said. wa, wa fil But in the scale on the day of judgment it will count as 1500. Multiply 150 by 10. So you receive 1500 rewards. The second habit. وَإِذَا أَخَدْتَ and when you go to bed, you make tasbih and tahmid and takbir 100 times. So you say, subhanAllah 33. Alhamdulillah 33 and Allah Akbar 34. The total is 100. So it counts as 100 on the tongue, but it counts as how much on the scale? How many? 1000. It counts as 1000 on the scale. Then Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم, asked the question, فَأَيُّكُمْ يَعْمَلُوا فِي الْيَومِ al الٰفَيْنِ وخمسمائة سيّا Rasulullah ﷺ said, who of you will commit 2,500 sins per day? Rasulullah is telling you, you will receive 2,500 rewards by doing this dhikr. And then he's telling you, and who of you will commit 2,500 sins? He's telling you this is an advantage for you because you're receiving so much rewards and inshallah you're not going to do an equivalent of this in sins. So in the end you come out as a winner. Then the Sahaba said How come we would not do them? Because the said Only a few will do it So the Sahaba said This seems to be very easy How come only a few will do this? Rasulullah said He said comes to said Shaitan will come to you in your Salah and make you remember something. So as soon as he you finishes your Salah, you're going to leave. You're not going to make that dhikr. And Shaytan comes to you when you go to bed and he will make you sleep before you make that dhikr. Even though it's very easy, only a few are going to commit to it persistently and consistently. Because shaitan is going to stay after you, try to prevent you from doing this. And we, we see this especially after Salah. We don't know what happens to the people in, the in their beds, but we, we know what happens here in the masjid. As soon as the Imam says Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wa and the Salah is over, people leave, and uh, not everyone stays behind to commit to these adhkar And this is not the only dhikr that we do after Salah. There is reading Ayatul Kursi, there is Qulhu wa Ahad, Qul A'udhu عَوْضُ Falaq, Qul A'udhu عَوْضُ Nas, and other adhkar relating to some specific salawat like Salatul Maghrib and Salatul Fajr. La Ilaha Illallah الله وحده Walla Shareeka Lahu Munkar Wa la 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 Munkar Alhamdulillahhi Wa Imaan Wa Wa Huwa Ala Kulli ten times. Uh, the dhikr after salah is very simple And sometimes because things are simple We neglect them Because we see it as insignificant But it's not insignificant Just this dhikr will count for you As 2500 rewards We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easier For us to commit to his dhikr uh, Then there's another example Of multiplication of deeds, salah Originally How many salawat were prescribed on us? 50 Musa was telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to reduce it. So it was reduced to five. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it will count as, you will have five prayers to do, but it will count as 50. These five daily prayers are going to be multiplied by 10. So as if if we are praying 50 times a day, and this was mentioned in Sahih al-Bukhari. These are examples of deeds that are multiplied by 10. And then there are deeds that are even multiplied more. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Saba Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the parable of those who spend their substance in the way of Allah is that of a grain of corn. It grows seven ears and each ear has a hundred grains. So how much does that come up to? 700 You have one grain It grows into Seven Sanabil Ears And every year Every year has 100 grains So the total comes to 700 So one counts as 700 And then Wallahu yudha'afu limayya And Allah Will manifold Will give manifold increase To whom he pleases So there is even more And this is talking about money That is spent in the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala Ibn Abbas explains this And says الجهاد والحج يضعف الله الدرهم فيها إلى سبعمائة ضعف. Ibn Abbas says that one dirham in this in our what pertains to us one dollar, one dollar in hajj or jihad will be multiplied 700 times. One dollar you spend in hajj, one dollar you spend in jihad will count as 700. 700 for one, that is about 70,000 percent Increase on your wealth 70,000% return What investment in the world Will give you that return? None Plus it is guaranteed It's not abiding by the stock market That goes up and down It's guaranteed Whenever you spend it In a depression Or an economical boom It doesn't make a difference You're going to receive 700 for every $1 you spend That's a guaranteed investment From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in hajj, if you spend $3,000, for example, that's the average hajj, it costs $3,000. Multiply that by 700, how much? It comes to 2100000 $3,000 is spent in hajj, you get a return of $2,100,000 for it. That's the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Karamullah azza wa jal. This is money that is spent in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will be reserved for you. So over here we have 1 by 700, and then we have the reward of sabr, patience. Allah subhanahu wa
2: ta'ala says,
1: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Those who patiently persevere will truly receive a reward without measure. Over here it's not multiplied by 100 or 700, here it's limitless. And this is the reward of patience and also fasting, as Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says, and uh, this is Hadith Qudsi, "كل عمل ابن آدم يضاعف الحسنة بعشر أمثالها إلى سبع مئة ضعف." قال تعالى إِلا الصَّومَ فَإِنَّهُ لِي وَأَنَا أَجْزِيهِ. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in the Hadith Qudsi that every deed of the son of Adam will be multiplied by ten to seven hundred, except fasting. It is wa ta'ala says fasting is for me. And I will reward it. And it will be a reward greater than 700. That is the reward of Siam. And what follows is an amazing manifestation of the generosity and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says in the hadith narrated by al-Bukhari that if you make the intention of doing a good deed and then you don't follow through with it, what reward will you receive? You will receive the reward of one good deed. You didn't go through with it. You just made the intention to do a good deed. You didn't do it. You just made the intention. You will receive the reward of it, even though you didn't do it. And if you do it, then it will be multiplied by ten. So if you had the intention and you didn't do it, it will count as one good deed. If you do it, it will be multiplied by ten. Now if you have the intention of committing a sin, what will happen if you don't do it? it will count as one good deed. Look at the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you make the intention of doing a sin, and then you don't follow through, it would count as one good deed for you. And if you do it, it will count as one. And as I'm telling you, this is the true generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at the generosity of Allah. You don't do a good deed, you receive the reward. You don't do a sin, you receive a reward. And if you do the good deed, it will multiply by ten. If you do the sin, it counts as one. And this hadith is in Bukhari. And then another example, which takes it even further, to show you the generosity and mercy and forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to the ones who repent. The ones who make tawbah. The repenters.
3: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ Allah subhanahu
1: wa ta'ala talked in this ayah about three major sins The first one is associating gods with Allah The second one is murder And the third sin is adultery or fornication Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says,
3: وَمَن يَفْعَلْ ذَٰلِكَ يلقى يُضَاعَفْ لَهُ الْعْذَابُ يوم القيامة ويخلد فيه ويخلد فيه مهانا. The
1: ones who do these sins will be punished severely in hellfire. Except the ones who repent.
3: In man taba wa amana wa amila amala saliha fa ulaik, fa ulaik ayubaddinullahu sayyatim hasanat wa canallahu ghafura rahima.
1: Except for the ones who repent and believe and do righteous deeds, what will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do for them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hasanat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them, will replace their evil deeds into good ones. So a person who has a long record of sins, if that person repents, and believes, and does good deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only will erase those sins, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will transfer those sins into rewards. So let's assume that the person has 10,000 sins. The person will not only be forgiven, but 10,000 good deeds will be deposited in his account. And that is to show you again the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah wants you to repent. Repent and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will transfer all of those sins into rewards for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghafoor Rahim. raheem. Allah is merciful and forgiving. And Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in this hadith narrated by Muslim, إني آخر أهل الجنة دخولا الجنة وآخر أهل النار خروجا منها. Rasulullah sallallahu says, I know the last person to enter into Paradise and the last person to leave from Hellfire. رجل يؤتى به يوم القيامة فيقال عرضوا عليه صغار ذنوبه وارفعوا Anhu This is a man. He's going to be the last one to leave Hellfire and the last one to enter into paradise. He will be brought in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the angels, present to him his minor sins, and hide away the major ones. (inaudible) فَتُعَرَضُ عَلَيْهِ صِغَارُ ذُنُوبِهِ فَيُقَالُ عَمِلْتَ يَوْمَ كَذَا وَكَذَا وَكَذَا وَعَمِلْتَ يَوْمَ كَذَا وَكَذَا فَيَقُولُ نَعَمُ And then he will be told You did this and this on this day And you did this and this on this day And he's saying yes He cannot lie He's saying yes And he is worried When will the major sins be presented to him At this moment He's being presented with this long list of Small sins that he did and he's saying, "Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did this." And he's shivering because he's waiting for the big questions of the major sins that are coming. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will say, "Replace these sins with good deeds." So those sins will be replaced with good deeds. When he sees that, then he will go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Oh Allah, I have done some major sins that I don't find. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa when he said that, he left. Because when this man knew that the sins are transformed into good deeds, now he said, Oh Allah, I did some bad deeds, where are they? I don't see them. In the beginning he was hiding them and he was shivering. But when he saw that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is generous, then he started claiming his bad deeds. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa left. When he mentioned this until his moles uh, appeared. Very wide smile. The last uh, rule that we're going to talk about on the Day of Judgment is presenting the witnesses. ash shuhud Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment will assemble all of the witnesses. Allah will assemble witnesses on nations. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will assemble witnesses on individuals. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make this ummah witness on others. We already talked in the past about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send witnesses against us. Your hand will speak about the sins it did. The feet will speak about the sins they committed. The tongue will speak about the sins it committed. So these are witnesses from within. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring witnesses on the nations. The people of Nuh, Nuh will be the witness against them. So Nuh will come and say, Oh Allah, I conveyed to them the message and they rejected the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the Ummah of Nuh, is this true? They will say, no. They would lie. Who will come to support Nuh in his witness? The Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa will come forth and say, yes, oh Allah, Nuh did convey the message to his people. They will say, how do you know? You weren't there. The Muslims will say, we received it in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Qur'an. So the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a witness. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send Muhammad sallallahu
2: Alaihi wa as a
1: witness on us. Thus have we made you an ummah justly balanced that you might be witnesses over nations and the apostle a witness over yourselves. Because we are the last ummah we would witness on every other ummah before. And we will say, yes, oh Allah, you did send them a messenger and they refused. Because this is the last ummah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa as a witness over us. So these are five rules of the Day of Judgment. We are going to mention a few things about the questioning of mankind. as su'al, the questioning. People are going to be questioned on the Day of Judgment. And the questioning is different. Some people, they would be questioned in detail. And some people will not be questioned at all. There are some people who will not be questioned at all. And these are the best. And these are the ones who reach to the pinnacles in faith and jihad and righteousness. They're not going to be questioned. الْجَنَّةِ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ They will enter into paradise without going through the questioning. All what will happen to them is that they will be presented with their books of deeds but they will not be interrogated. They will receive the book of deeds, but they will not be questioned about the details in it. And these are 70,000 from this ummah who will enter into Jannah without questioning. And then after that, the more a person is questioned, the more difficult and dangerous it is. من نوقش فقد <عُذِّب> Rasulullah says, whoever is interrogated will be punished. Because if you're interrogated, that means that there's something wrong. And the questioning, the questions that will be asked are everything, but there are some uh, ayat and hadith that specified a few questions. The most important question is al-kufr. Why didn't you believe? Anyone who rejected the truth, this is the first question that will be asked. Allah subhanahu
3: wa ta'ala says, and it shall be said to them, where are the
1: gods you worshipped? Then they will be thrown headlong into fire, they and those straying in evil. There are four questions, very important questions, that everyone will be asked about. Rasulullah صلى الله عليه says in the hadith narrated by Tirmidhi, لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن عمره فيما أثنى وعن علمه فيما فعل وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه وعن جسمه فيما أبلاه رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم says your feet will not move from their spot on the day of judgment until you are asked for questions the first question عمره فيما أثنى your life how did you use it these years you spent in dunya what did you do in them Time. This question is about time. This is the value of time. It's gonna be the first question. How did you use your time? And that's why, I mean, when we say that time is money, it's even more worthy than that. Time is your life. And whenever every second is passing by, it's taking away part of you. The first question will be about your life. How did you use your time? How did you use the time you spent in this dunya? That's the first question. The second question. How did you use your knowledge? The knowledge that you learned. Did you practice it? Or you just learned for the sake of learning and showing off what have you done with the knowledge that you learned? So knowledge is hijjah alayna. Knowledge is an evidence against us if we don't use it. And it's a great sin not to practice the knowledge that you know. The ayah about the believers is This is about the believers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Oh you who believe Why do you say what you don't do? It is a great sin in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To say what you don't do So we have to practice what we preach That's the second question And then the third question Your money And you are going to be asked two questions about your money Not one How did you gain it? And how did you spend it? Money, two questions. Where did you get this money from? And how did you spend it? Every single dollar that you make, you're going to be questioned about the source. And every dollar that you spend, why did you spend it this way? Therefore, subhanallah, I mean, suffering, destitute and poverty for your whole life is better than suffering on the Day of Judgment for one dollar. One dollar that was made from an illegal source. The suffering, it's not worth. It's not worth that suffering. You would rather live a life of poverty throughout the 60 or 70 years in dunya than gain one dollar from haram or spend one dollar in haram. It's not worth it. To be questioned on the Day of Judgment is the most severe thing. Rasulullah says, فقد عذب. If you are questioned, you will be punished. Therefore, نتق الله عز وجل We should be God conscious in our rizq. How we gain it and how we spend it. Two questions are going to be asked on the Day of Judgment on the issue of wealth. And this is also one of the reasons why the poor enter into Jannah before the rich. Even though there could be a rich man who's better in the level and rank than a poor person. Here we're talking about entering into Jannah, the timing of entering into Jannah. Rasulullah ﷺ says, al المهاجرين, the poor of the muhajirin, will enter into Jannah 500 years Before the rich. Why? Because, and this is mentioned in the hadith that they will go to the gates of Jannah. And they want to enter into Jannah and the angels will ask them, how did you get here? Weren't weren't you held accountable? They came early. So these fuqarah, these poor men of al-muhajirin, they will say, what are we going to be held accountable for? We don't have any money and we were carrying our swords in the sake of Allah. We lived our life in jihad, we didn't have any wealth. What will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask us about? Therefore, the wealth is questioning on the Day of Judgment. But in the same time, as I said again, there could be some of the rich like Abdurrahman ibn Aaf who would have a higher rank than many of the poor. But money is a very dangerous tool. It can be used and it will open for you doors towards Jannah, in fact, fi and it could take you to the extreme other opposite. And that is in the lower ranks of Hellfire so it's a very dangerous tool and can take you to one of the two extremes either very high ranks of righteousness or very low ranks of evil so we have to give money the attention it deserves we shouldn't just have attention of uh, making money but we should have a lot of attention given to how we make it and how we spend it these are very two things because very important because two questions are in relation to the wealth and then uh, finally wa anjismi fima ablah body. How was it consumed? This body, how did you use it? Allah gave you the strength. You're not the inventor of your power. This was given to you by Allah. As a trust. How did you use it? Did you put your body to rest and not use it even though it was full of energy? Or did you consume that body in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and optimize it to the extreme and limit like the Sahaba did? Because this is A ni'mah, a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are going to be questioned, and how did we use it? These are the four questions. And then there's another question. Number three, the luxury of this life. Allah subhanahu
3: wa ta'ala says,
1: Then shall you be questioned that day about the joy you indulged in. Every blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in this dunya, you will be asked on the Day of Judgment about it. How did you use it? Were you grateful? And some of them, for example, Mujahid says, you will be asked about every pleasure you had in this world, every moment of happiness, every moment of pleasure, you will be asked about it. Ibn Abbas says, part of the pleasure of this world is a healthy body, you will be asked about your health. And then we also know, in the Hadith, Rasulullah ﷺ says, نعمتان مغبون فيهما farah. There are two blessings Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given people and they are losing because of them and that is Saha wal Faragh, spare time and health. These are two blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to use them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala otherwise they are going to be against you on the day of judgment. Number four, covenants and promises. You will be asked about your promises and you will be asked about your covenant. And the most important covenant is the covenant of Iman. Al-Ahd al-Ladzee baynina wa There is a covenant between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala If you don't realize that you have signed the covenant with Allah, you did You have your signature on a covenant between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When you say that you are a Muslim That means that you are signing on a contract between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala When you say that you are a mu'min, you are a believer You are signing on a contract between you and Allah This is not an empty word When you claim that you are a Muslim or a mu'min, that means you are giving your consent to abiding with a certain set of rules and laws. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us to do and refraining from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made forbidden on us. And we are going to be questioned about that. You are the one who chose to become a Muslim. Therefore, you are entering into an agreement between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says,
3: وَأَوْفُوا بِالْعَهْدِ إِنَّ الْعَهْدَ كَانَ
1: مَسْؤُولًا And fulfill every engagement for every engagement will be inquired into on the Day of Judgment. Number five, we will be questioned about our sight, hearing and mind. Especially these three are very important, sight, hearing and mind. Because the sight and the hearing is where we input all of the data into our mind. And if you imagine your mind as the central processing of the unit of the body, how does it gain information? Where does it get it from? It gets it from the eyes and from the ears, by hearing and seeing. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question us specifically about these three. The sight, and the hearing, and the mind. Because this is where all of the knowledge and all of the information is gathered, is through the eyes and the ears, and all of it is then processed in the mind. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask us about this. How did you use your eyes? What did you see with your eyes? Did you use it to read Quran? Or did you use it to see what is forbidden? How did you use your ears? Did you use it to listen to the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or was it used to listen to the forbidden? How did you use your mind? Did you invest it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or did you use it for the sake of serving yourself in this dunya and neglecting akhirah, Because this is our mind is what controls us. And the way we use our mind, that is how our body will function. And that is what we will be held accountable for on the day of judgment. Therefore, we need to make sure that we are using these three in a form of shukr of Allah subhanahu
3: wa ta'ala.
1: Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the one who created for you. Sights, hearing, and mind. Why? So that you might be grateful. We ask Allah subhanahu wa
3: ta'ala to make us of his shakirin. For every act of hearing, or of seeing, or of feeling in the heart, will
1: be inquired into on the day of reckoning. Finally, for the believer... To believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first question that will be asked salah Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in the hadith narrated by Anasay, inna awwala ma yuhasabu bih alabd yawm alqiyamati salatu. the first thing you will be questioned about on the day of judgment is your salah fain wujidat tamma if it was complete it will be written down as complete wa in kana taqasa minha shay'an qala andhuru hal tajiduna lahu min tatawwu' yukmilu lahu ma فريضة من تطوعه ثم سائر الأعمال تجري على حسب ذلك. If there is deficiency in your Salah Then Allah subhanahu wa taala will tell the angels to look in your book of records If you have any voluntary prayers to complete the deficiency This is what the نوافل do This is the, ro- the role of the Sunnah or nafil prayer The five daily prayers are mandatory And they have to be complete Now definitely here and there, there's going to be some deficiency because of our shortcomings. How can that be completed? It's completed by the voluntary prayers that you offer. So the voluntary prayers, they patch any lack, any deficiency that exists in your five mandatory prayers. And then Rasulullah ﷺ says, and the same will be done to all of the other deeds. So you're fasting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, look at his faridah, fasting. If it's complete, it will be written as, as complete. If it's not, then Allah will say, see if he has any voluntary fasting. And that's how it will be completed.
0: For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at one 745 3330 or 303 303- 5740095 Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www.albashir.com That's www.al-bashir.com You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. Please proceed to the next CD.